Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. One of the five areas of spiritual maturity and prosperity on our journey is the area of healing and wellness, or being made whole. In today's message, we dig into the power behind this power of spiritual maturity, which is the living Word of God. Today, we continue our series titled The Journey with Message 21, The Word is Alive. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, excuse me, John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Let's go there. Not Matthew 6, John 5. Last week we talked about the fact that we are alive in Christ. Amen? We are alive in Christ. And what that means is that when I gave my life to Jesus, I was born again, I came alive. I was already physically alive, but I was not spiritually alive. And when I came to Christ, I became a spiritually alive being. There became something new about me that people were able to physically see, even though it wasn't physical what they saw. Amen? Somebody told me I went to work. I gave my life to Jesus on a Saturday night. I showed up at a church I had never been to Sunday morning. I went to work Monday, and somebody looked at me and said, what's going on with you? They saw something that I didn't even know they could see. Amen. What? Because I came alive. I was born on November 3rd physically. But October 18th is when I was born spiritually. Amen. And some of us can mark the day and some of us can't mark the day. Because somebody might have been around when you came alive. Amen. But some of us know the day. But whether you know the day or don't know the day, you just need to know if you're alive or not. Amen. Come on. Let's read this. We read about this man last time, and we want to read a little bit more about him. This man that's experiencing something new in Christ. And I got to get there in my Bible, and then I will read. John chapter 6, verse 2. John chapter 5. Verse 2. <laughs> it's a lot of word, but that ain't the one. Amen. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Now that word Bethesda, there's a city in Maryland named Bethesda, right? And so that name is derived from this story. And that word in Hebrew it means house of mercy. So Bethesda means house of mercy. In Aramaic, I believe it, believes, it, it means house of charity. So in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down in a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water, and then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. And when the water stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Then the Jews therefore said to him who was cured, Is it, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful you for you to carry your bed. He answered them and said, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And when they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not, listen, he did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn 
a multitude being in that place. I want you to notice a couple of things about this passage. We talked about last week a, f- a few things. Number one, in verse six, Jesus questioned the man. Do you want to be made well? And the man didn't answer the question. The man gave a reason why he hasn't been made well. Amen. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Wilt thou be made whole is what the King James says. Will you be made whole? He doesn't answer that question. He just comes back and says, hey, man, nobody, nobody's around to get me in the water. I'm in the line. I'm trying to do what I know. And every time I get close, somebody else gets there before me. I don't have anybody else to help me get there faster. So verse 7, that rationale is laid out. But then verse 8, Jesus responds with a command of an empowering action. In other words, he didn't tell him, I'm going to heal you. He just said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He gave a man who cannot hardly walk a command to get up and walk. And not only get up and walk, take that funky bed with you. (laughs) Amen. Y'all can laugh at that. Y'all know what's funny. Come on. (laughs) And I didn't even think about that ahead of time. Amen. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? Follow with an excuse. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean that's what we do. God's asking us, do we want to be made whole? And we start giving all the reasons God, to God why we are the way we are. God already knows. It says Jesus saw he had been there a long time. Jesus knew. You know, I know what your background story is. I'm not asking you about your background story. I'm asking you, do you want to be made whole? That's the question. And instead of listening to the answer, Jesus says, look, stop that. Just take up your bed. Walk. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Immediately, he was made whole. Then in verses 10 and 11, we get the testimony. The man has taken up his bed, he's walking, and the Pharisees see him and say, hey man, you're violating the law by carrying your bed. (laughs) You are violating God's law by carrying your bed (laughs) when you just got healed. And what the man answers and said, look, some man just told me to pick up my bed and walk. And so, you know what? I picked it up and I'm walking and I'm cool with that. Let me go. (laughs) But the Pharisees, which represent religion, and we're going to look at the imagery here. Because the pool, Bethesda, the house of mercy, it represents the place where people go trying to get well. But even in that place, there's still some rules that keep not allowing everybody to get well, but only the chosen. Only the ones that were able to get there on their own were the ones that got healed. Not the ones who were still struggling. If I could get there, then I would do it. But I can't get there. So how do I get helped? But this is what happens. is in that place, Jesus comes and says, listen, I know you can't get there. So you know what I'm doing? I'm going to empower you to get well where you are. You're not going to have to wait for somebody to pick you up and carry you there. I'm going to empower you to be well and to be made whole from where you're sitting right now. Praise the Lord. If I drop a $100 bill on the floor and say, the first one that gets it here is the one that gets it. Somebody's going to get it, right? And it would, it, you would imagine that one of two things are going to happen. Either the ones that are closest would naturally be the ones that get it, or the one that's hungriest knock everybody out the way and get it. Right? <laughs> Only one of those two things is going to happen. But then what about everybody else? Does that change the needs of everybody else? Does that change that? Change that? See, what Jesus is introducing, that they don't understand what he's introducing, he's introducing the season of the Holy Spirit. He's introducing the day when you don't have to get to one spot in order to get something from God. 
He's introducing the, the moment that there's going to come a time when you can be the guy who can't get there. And it doesn't make a difference because God will meet you in the back seat. Amen. God will meet you on the fifth porch when the water's on the first porch. The, and nobody, it's not for the special, it's for all. Because God, then Jesus said this later on. He said, it's going to be a blessing for you that I'm going to leave. Because I can only be one place at one time. But I'm going to send the Spirit who will be in you and through you. Amen. So what does that mean? It means that when it comes to being made whole, you don't have to be special to be made whole. You don't have to be chosen to be made whole. You just have to be the one who hears Jesus speaking. Interesting. In verse, let's, let's take a look at verse 10. Take us to verse 10, please. Look at what verse 10 says. Verse 10 says, the Jews therefore said to him who was cured. Now, if Jesus knew he had been there, the man's been sick for 38 years, right? This is not modern Jerusalem where there's millions of people. This is ancient Jerusalem where most people know who everybody else is. So this man who's been sick for 38 years, on my street where I grew up, we knew everybody on the street. We knew everybody on the street. And we know who was where, who been where. We know what school everybody went to. We know what class everybody was in. If you stop me and ask where the people, whose class are the people across the street in? Uh, he's in Mrs. Mrs. Wong's class. He's in, I, I can name who everybody is because we all knew everybody's business, right? That's the way it is in small communities. Everybody knows who they are. That's why if you go vacationing somewhere and you walk into a, a small village, they know you're not from here. <laughs> And your accent won't be what gives you away. Amen? <laughs> they know you ain't from here. But this guy was from there. And the Pharisees knew that he'd been sick a long time. And instead of saying, oh, my God, dude, you healed. What happened? Why are you carrying your bed? Yeah, not, not oh, my goodness, you've been sick so long. Praise God, you're healed. No. Why are you carrying your bed? It is unlawful for you to carry your bed. See, re religion will overlook your testimony to point out your violation. Amen. <laughs> Come on. Verse 11. He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. When they asked him, who is the man who said it to you? Who said, take up your bed and walk? The one who was healed did not know who it was. <laughs> I received a command. I obeyed the command. I'm well. And I don't know who gave it to me. <laughs> That's amazing. He didn't, know it was, he didn't know it was Jesus. See, you don't even have to know Jesus to get impacted by Jesus. <laughs> See, sometimes we're, 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 we're only Christians. No, whoever hears God's word, whoever's touched by God's word and obeys God's word will get touched by the word. Amen? The word, doesn't, the word is not religious. The word has no discriminator. The word works because it's the word. Amen? He didn't even know who Jesus was. He just knew what he said. He just knew the word. <laughs> All right. He only knew the words Jesus spoke, and he obeyed the words, and because he obeyed the words, he took up his bed and he walked away. <laughs> Y'all will get with me in a minute. I know. Amen. Go to Psalms 107. Psalm it's a psalm, so it's Psalm 107. Altogether, they are psalms. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm fixing my, fixing my vocabulary while I'm talking to y'all. Amen. Psalm 107, verse 10. Listen close. Psalm 107, verse 10. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons, so he's painting a picture here, the writer of the psalm. He's talking about people who are in a difficult situation. 
They are sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons. They are in chains, bondage. But look at why. Verse 11, because they rebelled against what? The word of God. <laughs> See, when we rebel against the word, it causes problems. Amen. When we don't heed the word, the word then, say it this way, God sends his word for purpose. And when we don't heed the word, we miss the purpose. And sometimes the purpose is to keep us out of bondage. And sometimes the purpose is to keep us free. Sometimes the purpose is to advance us. But if we don't heed the word, then we don't get the outcome of the word because we're not in the word. Amen. Let's keep going. Look at this. Verse 12, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness. In other words, they cried out to God and he helped them. Amen. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. In other words, that bondage they were in, he broke it. Verse 17. Fools! Because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, they were afflicted. Verse 18. Their soul hated all manner of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. And verse 20, he sent his what? And healed them and delivered them from their destructions. So the man heard, the man at the, at the gate, not the beautiful gate, at the, at the sheep's gate, the man at the sheep's gate heard Jesus' words. He responded and he was healed. We just read in Psalms 107 in the very uh, verse 10, uh, excuse me, verse 11, that when they rebelled against the word it brought things on them and then here in verse 20 it says he sent his word and the word healed them so the word has the power to heal us and if you understand john chapter 1 which says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and he was there in the beginning with god we know that the word is jesus that's why even not knowing who Jesus was, it only took his words to bring the healing to the man. That's also why when you tell an unbeliever, so <laughs> I'll just give you the example. I won't even explain it. I'm at work and this person comes in my office mad and they're fussing about a situation. And I sat there and I said, um, I said, there's an ancient proverb that says this. And I gave them something from the book of Proverbs. They said, oh, I'm going to try that. They went. They used it. They came back. They said, you know that, that, that ancient proverb, it works. I said, yeah, I know it works. <laughs> they said, where'd you get it from? I said, I got it out of the Bible. Because <laughs> you don't have to know that it came from the Bible for it to work. It works. <laughs> It works if you don't believe it, it works. If you activate the word, it will work. Amen? And that's what people don't understand. Sometimes it's like, you got to, no, no, I'm going to just tell you what it says. You're going to use it, come back to me and ask me where I got it from, and I'm going to tell you, I got it out of the book. I got it out of this Bible here. And I tell you what, I've been for all the time I've known God, it always works. Amen? Look, go to the uh, um, book of Hebrews, chapter 4, Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys know what I'm talking about yet? <laughs> See, we've been talking about the journey, right? So the journey is... The fact that God has uniquely equipped all of us for the journey of our lives. 
Third John verse two says, beloved, I would that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, right? So in order for your soul to prosper, there's certain things you need to have in your soul in order for you to prosper. And if you understand those, the first thing you have to have is you need to have God in your soul. You need to have God in your spirit. Your relationship with God is your first avenue and your first piece of equipping toward prosperity. Because when you know God, then you start to discover what is for you and what's not for you. You start to know God. You start to know how you're designed, how you're uniquely made. And you, don't, you stop trying to make yourself as a square peg fit into round holes all the time. Amen. Some people are frustrated in life because they haven't figured out God made you a square peg. And you're trying to slide into octagons, and you're trying to slide into circles, and you're trying to rectangle. You know, you're a square. <laughs> you are an L7 square. You are a square. Stop trying to be other than what you are. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. Second thing you need to know is that God not only uniquely made you and wants to have a relationship with you, but you also need to know that God then has supernaturally put people around you in your life to help you become what he's trying to make you become. Amen. Amen. My parents were the right parents because they helped me become who I am. My step-parents were the right step-parents because they helped me become who I am. Amen. My grandparents were the right grandparents because they helped me become who I am. My neighbors that I used to fight with, they are the right neighbors because they made me who I am. That old lady who used to throw stuff at me on the grass, when I step on her grass, she would run out and throw stuff at me. She's the right neighbor to make me who I am. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> God supernaturally puts people around you to shape you and to mold you. And then he brings you into a household of faith in order to sharpen you so that the things that you've been created become holy things and not just destroy those things but to shape them into making you what you're supposed to be. And the people around you contain a treasure that helps to strengthen who you are. Amen. Like I said, yesterday, church picnic, great time. I enjoyed all the food. I was sitting, I was sitting next to somebody, and they, and they said, Pastor, do you have to, you know, a lot of people brought food. Do you have to taste everything? Because somebody might be offended if you don't eat, you don't eat their food. <laughs> I said, uh, Tracy, I said, we'll run with that excuse. <laughs> we'll run with that one. Yeah, that sounds better than what I was saying. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, Charles, tell your son I'm just being nice to all the people. Amen. <laughs> Amen. But what you contribute blesses each other. Amen. Our worship team can't worship for you, but they create an environment for you to worship. Amen. They, they come together. They create in unity. They create an environment so that you can worship. And when you enter into that worship, you get your benefit of worship. But they helped create the environment for you to worship. Amen. I can't come live the word for you, but I can make a contribution to you. And then you take the word and you use the word and then the word works in your life. Amen. Amen. We're all blessing each other. Amen. The greeters, they help create the atmosphere when you walk in and the greeter hugs you and says, hey, how's your day going today? Welcome. Come on in. When they make you feel that way, you come in and you don't feel like, man, I don't know if I'm welcome in this place. They eliminate that barrier so you can just come in and you can worship freely. You can just be part of the family. Amen. Amen. Everybody's making a contribution. Our sound people. The reason anybody online is going to hear is because they're up there with video and audio and with words and everything else, making the environment. Everybody's making a contribution. The person who swept the floor and vacuumed the rug, they made it nice so everybody can walk in. The person who sprays stuff ahead of time so you have a nice aroma when you come in. All those little things all are makers of contributors to your experience. And your experience is enriched because everybody brings something in. But those are because of our relationships. And quality relationships create quality environments. Amen? 
That's the second level of your prosperity. Then the third is your gifts and talents. You all have something that you bring to the table. You have both natural gifts. You have ministry gifts. Everybody has a ministry gift. Ministry gifts are some are ordained and some are as your faith allows. And you can prophesy according to your faith. Or you can teach according to your faith. You can be a giver according to your faith. You can make a, a, be compassionate according to your faith. You can do any of those things. You can activate any of those ministry gifts that we saw in Romans chapter 12. You can do those by faith. Just because I believe I can, I can just do that. Amen. I can just love on people. I can have compassion on people. I can have mercy. I can encourage. I can do any of those just because I have the faith to do it. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I get into the word and I see the word, I can encourage you or build you up or give or do whatever God's called me to do because of those things. I don't have to wait for a lightning bolt from heaven to say, boom, thou art a prophet. <laughs> Amen. So that the lightning bolt never comes, you got stuff you can do. Amen. Got supernatural gifting to get stuff done. Anointing. Amen. Got supernatural power given to each of us to do what he's called us to do. And then the fourth area is what we're talking about today. Last week, we started talking about we are alive. But we're alive because of area number four of your prosperity. And that is, wilt thou be made whole? Wilt thou be made whole? whole being well being healed and number five is kingdom supply and we'll get we'll get to that one so what i want you to do right now is and you're looking at the book of hebrews i want you to think about the word of god and being alive in terms of the word is what made the man whole god sends his word and brings healing god sends his word to saturate saturate us and fill us and strengthen us and make us stronger it is the word that comes to do all those things you can love without the word you can naturally love people but there's a supernatural love that goes over the top of that you can know god and you can have a relationship with god and you can do that without knowing god's word you can just love god love your creator you can do that you can actually use your gifts and talents without having any word of God in you at all, but you cannot experience the wholeness of God outside of his word. The wholeness of God, the strength of God, the almighty revelation and strength of God is only known through his word. Amen. You can be a Christian and not study the Bible. You can love God with all your heart and not study the Bible. You should study the Bible, but you may not. But if you're going to be made whole, if you're going to get bit past the natural barriers that we all experience and we all encounter, the only way you get beyond that is the supernatural deposit of the word. He sends his word and it brings healing to our lives. Amen. Amen. I got healed of childhood trauma I didn't know I had. You know, somebody said, do you know that that was a trauma? I said, no. I didn't really realize it was a trauma. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've been healed. <laughs> Even though I didn't know it. <laughs> Amen. If I get healed of stuff that I'm not conscious of, then surely I can be healed of stuff I am conscious of. All right. All right. Let me just keep on moving here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Now, he's talking about rest here, but I want you to think about in terms of what we're, what we're looking at here, because it's a broader application. Therefore, since a promise, tell your neighbor, say promise from God. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, and the word rest here means enter into a state of no toil. Not take a nap. That's another kind of rest. This is the rest, the state of being without toil. Toil. Hard labor. What is toil? Toil is the word that God told Adam that he was going to have. By the sweat of your brow, you will toil over the land because of the sin nature that came upon Adam. So he's saying, therefore, remains a rest. There is a state in which that fall where adam received that curse the curses on the earth where well, that came upon adam it would be lifted 
there remains a rest for the people of God. Lest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of the promise. How could you come short of this promise? Verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. In other words, there can be a preached word that gets to people that, brings no pro that doesn't profit at all. <laughs> I want y'all to process this. I don't need amen. Just says, say amen if you're processing. Amen. There we go. All right, that's what I want to know. Amen. <laughs> Look at this. Read verse 2 again. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Hebrew Christians who became converts from Judaism to Christianity. Right? So that's who the, book of, the writer of the book of Hebrews, many people believe it was Paul, but that's who he's writing to. He's writing to these people who were all in Jerusalem, saw and heard the gospel preached. They heard it, and some said yes, and some did not respond. So he said the same word that was preached to us was also preached to them. He said, we're now the church of Hebrews. We are the Hebrews that have been converted. We all have said yes to that word. And there's some people who did not. But the word that they heard did not profit them. And this is why. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You can hear the word in faith or without faith. And remember, everybody has faith. To each man has been given the measure of faith. Everybody has faith. It's not what you have. It's where it is. And the word that was preached, this gospel, he said this gospel that we received that changed our lives, it didn't change everybody's life. Because some people didn't mix it with faith. And when they didn't mix it with faith, it didn't profit them. But when we mixed it with faith, it profited our life. Amen. Amen. When we mix the word of God with faith, it profits our life. So Jesus is standing there at the gate at Bethesda. And he sees this man and he says to this man, do you want to be made well? Rise. Take up your bed and walk. The man was faced with a decision. Do I mix what I just heard with faith or do I just lay here? And it was his decision to mix the word with faith that made him take up his bed, stand up, receive his healing, and walk out to such an attention that the Pharisees looked at him and said, why are you carrying that bed? Amen. Amen. So God speaks words and it's up to the church who is in the word to hear the word and to mix the word with faith. It's up to us to mix the word with faith. We shared with everybody this morning when we were praying, we shared that we went to the park yesterday to have our church picnic. And when we got there, we, we were not in the place that we were supposed to be. In other words, somebody else had set up shop where we're supposed to be. So we moved to another place. And you know what? When we moved to the other place in faith, knowing, hey, it's up to God. So we didn't fight these people. Say, you get out of here. You move. We didn't do that. We just said, no. Okay, fine. We'll move over here. And when we moved over there in faith, knowing God's ordering our steps, what happened? A family walks over and becomes part of our we get a chance to minister to the family and love on the family and do things. Why? Because we mixed our daily actions with the faith that God is ordering our steps. Yeah. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And we believe that word. And we, when we go somewhere and we get diverted, instead of fussing about our diversion, we just say, okay, praise the Lord. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Thank you. What, what do you have for me to do over here today? Amen. And I catch myself sometimes when things don't go the way I have planned for them to go. And I find myself being diverted. I have to stop myself from fussing, which is my natural state, to get into my spiritual state that says, let the Lord guide your steps. 
Let your Lord guide your steps. Now, if the Lord says fight about this, then you fight. If the Lord says be quiet, then be quiet. Amen. But let the moment be judged by what is God's word speaking to me right now. And does he remind me, Jerry, the steps of the righteous are order of the Lord. I'm moving your steps. Okay, good. I'll let my steps be moved. Oh, blessing. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Look, let's read the rest of this. Let's go to, uh, okay, let me make a couple points. Number one, it's possible for God to make a promise to someone and they never receive it because it's not understood that there's a process of receiving from God. Sometimes God makes us speak a promise and we don't receive it because we haven't connected it to faith, right? Next thing I want you to point out in verse two, the word which some people receive does not profit because it's not mixed with faith. Point number three, God gives to each person the measure of faith, which we know, right? Faith has to be applied to the word for us to enter into God's promises. It doesn't make a difference what God says. If we want to have what God wants for us to have, we have to use faith to access it. So when we read the word that said God sent his word and healed them. If you want to be healed, you got to heed the word. And how do you heed the word? By getting it in your heart, in your mind. You guys remember in the book of Joshua chapter 1? God told Joshua, he said, this book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on a day and night. In other words, it's got to get in your head in order to come out of your mouth. So you got to get the word in your mind, in your thoughts, so that it can come out of your mouth through meditation. And so that you're always meditating on the right thing, so that when you've meditated on the word, the word can then come up and rise up in your moment of situation, in your situational needs. So when you hear the voice of Jesus speaking, saying, rise, take up your bed and your walk, you'll say, I wonder, was that Jesus? Come on, that's what we, come on, you guys, come on. You all know what I'm talking about. I wonder, was that the Lord? Go pray for that person. Ooh, is, Lord, is that you? Hmm, I wonder, is this the Lord? I'm going to go pray and find out whether this is the Lord telling me to pray for this person who's talking to me and standing in front of me. You stand here for a minute while I go pray, find out whether the Lord is talking to me to talk to you. <laughs> Amen. Come on, uh, you know, you know, you know, you guys know what I'm doing, but you know what I'm saying. Getting the word in you ahead of time, having the word in you already prepared in your heart, in your mind, so that when you get into the moment, the word flows. And that the directions from God come out of you, that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, because the word is always guiding us and leading us into things that God has for us. Go down to verse three. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, he was telling them the work that God needed to do to convert them to the faith, he did before the foundation of the world. But right now, they're not even receiving what he's speaking to them right now. Wow. <laughs> what promises God made to you? And are you mixing your faith with the word? Go to verse five. Excuse me, verse four. For in a certain place, he has uh, spoken on the seventh day. Matter of fact, let's cut to the chase. Let's go down to verse, uh, let's go down to verse 10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his labors as God did from his. Verse 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, that state of not toiling, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. So once again, remember in Psalm 107, we saw that they disobeyed the word or they rebelled against the word and something came on them. So he's saying here, don't fall into that. Verse 12, for the word of God is what? Living. 
And what? And what? Then a two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are laid naked, open, and bare to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. In other words, the word is active. It's alive. The word is not just words on the paper. The word actually is the living manifestation of Jesus himself. And when we get the word in our heart, the word begins to lead us and guide us and cause supernatural things to happen that aren't from your mind, but from the spirit of God. It's alive. The word is alive. The word is active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, the word will discern your thoughts. Somebody came at me one day and they were fussing. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of encounters with people during the course of my days. Person came to me and they was hot, fussing. And my, my instinct, hot back, you know, fire meets fire, right? So they're going at it and I'm, you know, and like Tammy said earlier, I'm going to be quiet. I ain't going to say nothing. Until it gets right about there. <laughs> that's the overflow point if it, as long as it's below the chin it's okay if it gets to the mouth it's coming out right <laughs> you got I me mean, it's a long way you can you can feel it you got a long time to fill me up but once once it's there ah! <laughs> but i'm feeling it and right it was right about here and then and the Lord said, there's a passage of scripture that came up. It said, he who wins souls is wise. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> it started going down. It started going down. And then that word is in my mind now. He who wins souls is wise. So then I stopped looking at them as an antagonist and I started looking at them as a soul God loves. And then all of a sudden, the word is now becoming flesh. The word is starting to take me over. And now my mind is not on how I'm going to respond. My mind is now on, Lord, show me how to love on them. Lord, show me how to speak a word to them. Show me how to have uh, compassion for them. And then I let my mind go blank and I could just see their mouth going, but I wasn't hearing their words anymore. And then all of a sudden I heard the Lord speaking to me and what came out of my mouth was not me at all. It was a gift of the spirit that came out of me. And I started prophesying to them and I started speaking to them. And when they started receiving it, they started crying. And then what was happening? Then they, then they, all of a sudden, that thing they came at me with, it started to melt. And God was taking, taking control of the circumstance because the word was flowing through me. All of a sudden, it wasn't me anymore. They were having an encounter with the, with the Lord. And then his words were being spoken to them. And his words were touching them. And all of a sudden, they started mixing the words with faith and their faith got renewed and all of a sudden they turned and they now became aligned with me and now two are gathered in his presence and wherever two or three are gathered in his presence he's right there in the midst of it and so it went from a potential argument to a worship session <laughs> amen why? Because the word of God is alive. And it will activate, if you have it in your heart, it will activate in you when you get in difficult situations. Amen. Amen. There's a man I went to pray for. I went to the hospital one time to pray for him years ago. And he was laying in the hospital and went to pray for him. He said, when I was laying here, he said, uh, he said I, I looked up and I saw something. He said, I saw like a banner he sent his word and it healed them. He had had a massive heart attack. And he said, I saw the word. He said he sent his word and it healed them. That man was out of the hospital, going on, doing everything else, 
no effects after that. God did a work. What? He sent his word. The man received the word. He mixed it with faith, and he walked out of it. Amen. It's going to be lasting damage. It might be, but God's not gonna, it's not going to stop me from doing what God called me to do. Because God said his word, and I'm healed. And healed is not always the absence of scars. Healed is the ability to do what you need to do. Amen. <laughs> Amen. The word is alive. Word is alive. Go to Hebrews 5, verse 12. Hebrews 5 and 12. Here's the reality of church. Not all times, but many times. Here's the reality of church. Hebrews 5, verse 12 So says, For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And have not come to need milk. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in what? The word of righteousness. For he's a babe. In other words, when we don't activate the word in our life, our age does not determine our spiritual maturity. Amen? It is the word that starts to determine our spiritual maturity. When I, when I dedicated myself to, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I dedicated myself to the Lord. I started, I immediately, I, I just started absorbing the Bible. I started getting, just getting into it and I was all into it. I was reading and I was studying and I was praying and I had mentors that were talking to me and I was listening and I was, I was growing. And all of a sudden, I realized that you started to be able to discern who was and who wasn't in the word. Right? I'm not, I want you to understand what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is, is that when, when a bunch of guys, if you took a bunch of NBA players and took them to, to a high school basketball game, and you told them, show me who's practicing and who's not practicing, they'll all be able to tell you. Because <laughs> they're established, and they can look at who's not established and tell you where they are, right? Yeah. But that's what happens in the word. The more you get established in the word, you start to understand. Man, I know the difference between religion and the word and relationship with God. I went to, I had to do this, this event one day and this man was, uh, before the event, this man who was, who was the primary uh, speaker at the event, he was talking about, oh, he was going to get up and do this. He's about to slay him out there. He's about to do his thing. He's, about, he's talking all this trash. I'm like, dude, this... <laughs> We're going into a church, man. You're talking like we're about to, like we're going to poetry slam or something. Hey, you, I'm going to lay him out with my stuff. Hey, no, well, are you serious? <laughs> he got up there and froze. He froze. Because all the stuff he had rehearsed in his head was going to sound so cool when he said it. Was it nothing had to do with the Bible. He was always going to say all this stuff. He got up there and he froze. And he gave his best line and the people was like, <laughs> yeah, he laid it flat. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, man. <laughs> man. It's like, but you're going to get them, you, and not the word. You got to give them the word. And if you give them the word, then it don't make a difference whether people receive it or not. Because I already know some are going to mix it with faith and some are not. <laughs> the benefit, wisdom is justified by our children, right? It's justified by what it produces, amen? If the word is received and the word is activated, it will bear fruit. Not because I said it, but because it's written. Amen. What did Jesus say? When the devil came at him, he said, it is written. He fought the devil with the word. He didn't fight the devil with his, um, you don't know, don't you know who I am? He didn't say that, no. He said, it is written, this. <laughs> Remember, the demons knew who Jesus was. The, Jesus walked up, the demon said, Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to torment us before our time? They knew who he was. But when he faced the devil, he didn't tell the devil, do you know who I am? <laughs> you know who I am? No, he didn't say that. He said, it is written. He stuck with the word. Because he's trying to demonstrate for us the word of God is alive. And if you activate the word, it will bring supernatural results. Amen. 
the word activated will bring supernatural results. But if we don't activate the word, then we don't grow. <laughs> I was uh, at my previous church. I was uh, sitting, this guy came from, guy was a minister. And he had left his church. He came to our church. And I was sitting down with him because I was responsible for minister training at the time. And so we sat down. I said, man, tell me about your previous church. And we talked about it. He said, man, uh, he said, man you know, they ain't feed me no more. I said, aren't you a minister? He said, yeah. He said, but my pastor not feed me no more. I said, but dude, you're telling me you're a minister. <laughs> he ain't, he's, not, he's not feeding you, but you're a minister. What are you, what are you, what are you telling me? Well, you know, you know, he just, he just wouldn't feed me no more. I said, well, <laughs> I said, well, what, what, do you, what, what do you expect to get out of here? He said, well, you know, I'm getting fed here. I said, oh, okay. So you're a minister and you want me to acknowledge your license to minister to people. And you're telling me that your pastor, who you were there to serve with, was not feeding you, who are established as a minister to teach others. So what is it that we're feeding you that he wasn't feeding you? <laughs> See, Yesterday, I'm going to keep referring to things that we had common experience. Yesterday, I observed there were some people who went, they got in line, they got their plate, they got their fork, they ate. And there are some people who are smaller people who are not in the room right now because they're downstairs. Some of them sat on their mother's lap and their mother fed them. <laughs> and so you guys in here if I needed you to take my car, I would hand you the keys because I've observed enough maturity that you can handle my car. But the one that got sat on somebody's lap to get fed, I'm not going to give you the keys to my car to take me somewhere because you're still sitting on somebody's lap to eat. <laughs> right? Why would I give you responsibility when you're telling me you still need to be fed. Now, it's one thing to go somewhere and say, man, they're good messages, they're edifying messages, strengthens me, add to my, add to my kid. That's good. But not, I left somewhere because I was not getting fed. Because <laughs> that's, that's not impressive. Because <laughs> there's only one, two things happening. If you're big, and you're still getting fed. You are either spoiled or immature. <laughs> I'm glad y'all said it, not me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen, look at this. Uh, let's go back to verse, uh, let's go to verse 13 again. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. In other words, there comes a season in every believer's life where you got to open your Bible yourself and eat. You got to open that Bible yourself and begin eating. And if you drop your fork a couple of times, that's okay. You can call me and I'll tell you how to hold it. I'm serious. I'm serious. I will help you hold the fork. But you say, Pastor, I can't get it. I need you to hold the fork. I'm not going to hold your fork. Now, a new person, I'm going to hold their fork for them. A person new to Christ, I'm going to hold their fork. I'm going to help them. In fact, if they got to sit on my lap, I will let, gladly let them sit on my lap. But man, when you, when you get so, when you, <laughs> when you're so big and I put the fork in your mouth, I said, that needs some pepper. No, no, I, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the end of that. <laughs> You start asking for condiments, then no, you know, you need to no, you need to, you need to go on your own. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. 
All right. <laughs> the word is alive, saints. The word is alive. And the God's invitation to us is receive the promises of God. Listen, God's got promises for us in this word. And we gotta, we're going to access these promises. And God is making us restorers of the breach. Why? Because it's a promise. He is making us people who repair neighborhoods. Why? Because it's a promise. Amen. He's making us able to win souls through wisdom. Why? Because it's a promise. Amen. Amen. And so you got family members who they're not being one. Let's get into the word and let's saturate ourselves in the word so that the promises of God start to come to pass, even in our family members. Amen. There's nobody who God can't reach. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. I was an atheist. I got reached. Amen. Come on. I know people who were doing all kinds of stuff. I've seen them be reached. Amen. I've seen people who had addictions be reached and be transformed by the power of God. Amen. I've seen people whose, whose lives have been total at zero, homeless, nothing going on, nothing for them at all, who now are business owners. Why? Because the word can become flesh and the word is alive and the word will change your life if you get the word in your spirit. Amen. The word will transform. Amen. I know somebody, I know a person who I love tremendously. And I watched them grow in the word. I watched them dedicate themselves to meditating the word, getting the word, controlling their mouth, controlling their tongue, calling when they had struggles and, and getting confirmation and working through. I saw them go through a whole process. And that man is a pastor of a church right now. Doing great things for God. Because why? Because he just said, you know what? It'll make no difference where I started. This word will get me where I'm trying to go. Amen. This word will take me where I'm trying to go. Amen. And the word starts to work in you. It starts to make your gifts operate. Starts to make things flow through you. The more I studied the more word, the more the Holy Spirit would just use me with spiritual gifts. Not my ministry gifts that come by my faith, but the spiritual gifts that come as the spirit wills. He started doing that. And I'll be prophesying to people and moving things and, and, and just having seen things happening all around me. Not because I was doing anything, but because I was in the word and the word was getting deeper and deeper in me. And the word starts to become flesh wherever it goes. Amen. Jesus manifests wherever we take the word, wherever we put the word in our hearts and really start to move in the word. He starts to make transformation happen. Amen. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to mix the word with your faith. You're going to get this word in you and you're going to move like God has, as, like God desires for you to move. You're going to start doing things and move people. I heard somebody told me that just the other day. They told me, I said something about divine appointments. They said they went out and God just started divine appointment happening all around them, happening all around. Them. Why? Because they took the word, they mixed it with faith, they stepped out and divine appointments started happening. Why? Because they were already waiting because the, the work was already done before the foundation of the world. It was already ready. They just needed somebody to mix it with some faith and step out in it and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Wow, this is all happening. Yes, it's happening. Because the word is alive. It's just waiting for somebody to activate it. Yeah. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. Yeah. Get up. Amen. Yeah. Do what God's called you to do because the faith you have is activated with the word of God. Yeah. And God's going to do work in you. Amen. Yeah. In you and through you. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I got some stuff. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm reactivating. I went cold on, on activating it. I'm reactivating it. now. I'm stirring it up. And y'all going to see results. Amen. Yeah. Because God's going to do some stuff. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's, let's pray. Activate the word because it's alive. Amen. It is alive. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for moving in us. Moving among us. I thank you, Lord, that you would take the word today. Stir it with faith. Stir it with the hearts of people that are here today. Thank you for listening to today's message titled The Word is Alive from our series titled The Journey. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. And on our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church, and our events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live-streamed worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You can also catch us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net 
or even better, join us for a live service any Sunday morning. You can find more information on visiting us on our website. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.